Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And speaking of traveling the world, we're traveling here in Melilla, Philippines, in Southeast Asia. And one of the things I love to do is interview guests from around the world. And I've interviewed people from every continent, you know, North America, South America, Asia, Europe, Australia, and Africa. But out of all the continents, I'm missing, you know, more African guests. I've interviewed people from Kenya, I've interviewed people from South Africa, from Morocco, Egypt, but I have never, ever, until today, interviewed someone from the Ivory Coast. So I am so, 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 so excited for our guest today, who is, uh, his name is Justin Bryce Ache, and he is from the yeah. uh, Ivory Coast. And we're going to be finding out all about Justin, about his uh, country, the Ivory Coast, and about tourism, about food, and especially about his uh, NGO. He has an NGO uh, um, as well. So we're going to be finding out a lot of information from our guests. So, bienvenido. Bienvenue. Comment ça va? Yeah, bienvenue. Oui, ça va, ça va bien. Hello. I'm doing great. So in French, that was it. This is how you say it. Bienvenue. <laughs> oh, I prefer, I, I, prefer the local, I prefer the local one, which is Aquaba. This, uh, this what he said. Aquaba, yeah. Aquaba. Yes. So... I am actually from Vancouver, BC, Canada, and for those people listening, watching, you will know Canada is bilingual. Most Canadians have learned English and French, but the reality okay. is most, most Canadians don't know how to speak French unless they're from Quebec. So I apologize. <laughs> I cannot do the whole interview in French. So we're going to have to do no it. No problem. Also, uh, most of the people listening and watching probably don't know French well enough to understand. So it's a good thing. It's yeah. good thing, Justin. You're bilingual. You can do English and French. So yeah. why don't we firstly get to know you? We want to le learn about your story, you know, a little bit about your history. Why don't you share a little bit more about yourself first? Okay. Thank you, Ruchi. Uh, as you know, uh, my name is Achi Justin Bryce, and I'm from Avricos. Avricos, uh, I stay at the capital town, the economical one, which is Abidjan. I hope you've heard of it before, Abidjan. Yeah. And I was born on, in June, uh, exactly on the 1981. Yeah, so you can imagine the age now. I'm the father of four children now, yes. Among them, yeah. I, I do have twins among them. I mean, uh, one boy and one girl. Yeah, they are now having around eight years. Eight years, so I'm a happy father uh, doing with my kids. So uh, I'm from this region of the country called Abuaso. Abuaso is at the eastern part of the country. Yeah, eastern part of the country, and the language spoken there is called Anyi. I mean, uh, according to history, those people are from Ghana. Ghana is just the neighbor of Africa's. So yeah, I'm just in them now. I'm working with Burger King as a, as a training manager and also as a restaurant manager for Burger King. Yeah, I don't know if you have more questions. Yeah, you know, uh, firstly, uh, it's amazing. Your dad of four. I have three little ones, and it's hard enough being a dad of three. So, uh, what it is, <laughs> congratulate you, my friend. Congratulations on having those four kids. One of my big passions and family and building strong, uh, you know, fathers, yeah. families. And, you know, you're also an entrepreneur and you also have an NGO. And most importantly to you is your family. So, I'm very inspired by you. Um, yeah. Before we get into what you do, we want to learn a little bit about the Ivory Coast because you are the first ever guest representing the Ivory Coast. A lot of people yeah. don't know anything about it. So why didn't you give us some information? 
where is it located? Okay. What is the climate like? Yeah. What are the people like? What is the food like? What is the, uh, you know, like the population? Tell us about the Ivory Coast. Okay. You know, Ivory Coast is a country, a member of the African Union. Okay. It's a member of the African Union and it has got a size area of, uh, let's say, 3,020, sorry, 322,462 kilometers square. This is the size of the country. It has, uh, uh, at the north side, we have uh, two neighbors, which are Mali and Burkina Faso. And also, I think at the western side, we have Liberia and Guinea. And at the southern part, we have the Atlantic Ocean. So our population is estimated to around, let's say, 25 million. 25 million. And we have, uh, I think the country had independence on the 7th. August 1960, with the first president who was called, I don't know if he had a name, Felix Ufoy-Boigny. So Felix Ufoy-Boigny died in 1993. Yeah, so now he was buried in Yamsukro. And actually the president that we have is called Watara. Watara, but let me add the uh, El because he has been to Mecca recently. So now it's called El Aj Watara, Alassane Watara. Yeah. So he's the actual president. And we recently voted, I think, for a law which uh, gave us the possibility to have a vice president. So our first vice president is called Daniel Cablan-Dincan. Yeah. Daniel Cablan-Dincan, uh, before, with uh, the first president, worked with the actual president. Yeah, they were in the same government. And today, yeah, this one became the president. Then Cablan-Dincan uh, is now his vice president. So uh, as the land size, I've told you already, 322,462 kilometers squares. Independence on 7 August, 1960. Yeah, independence held by the first president, Felix Ufoud who died in 1993. Our official language is French. We do not speak English at all. So as I told you, I'm not all that fluent in English, but I think we can manage, we can manage. And I hope everybody will be getting me and also hoping that I'm not doing bad in English. Yeah, so it was due to school that I, I'm now able to speak English. So the official language here is French. And hold on, we have 60 local dialects, 60, 60. So <laughs> you can imagine, you can imagine. Our capital town now, we have two capital town, one political one, and another one, which is the economical one. The economical one is Abidjan, and the political one is Yamsukro. Yeah, so uh, hot again, hot again. Our currency, main currency is called franc CFA. Franc CFA, and we are almost using it in all the hot West Africa, except Ghana and Liberia, which have got their own money. I think Liberia, they've got their own uh, Liberia uh, dollars. Ghana also have got their own money called CDs. So that's something about my country, Africa's. Thank you for sharing. You know, I learned a lot just from all the information you shared about the population, about the currency, about the politics. Mm -hmm. We want to learn about the sightseeing. A lot of us who are digital nomads, world travelers, we love exploring new regions of the world. And Africa is very yeah. much an unexplored continent for a lot of people. A lot of people yeah. who are listening here have never been to the Ivory Coast. So what are the main tourism attractions? What's there to see and do in your country? Okay, for the main tourism attraction, let me talk to you about the first one. The number one is a what we call the basilica. The basilica is a Christian, uh, I know, you know, 
it's a Christian building, it's a church for the Roman church here. So here in Africa, we have the most biggest basilica in the world. Imagine, we have the most biggest basilica in the world, and this one is based wow. in Yamsokro, yeah, at the political uh, capital in Yamsokro. They started, I think, the building in 1986 and ended in 1989. It was even launched by the Pope, I think, John 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 Paul II. Yeah, it was uh, launched by him. So we have there the most biggest basilica in the world, which has got a size of around uh, wide 150 meters wide. Uh, it's around uh, 130 acres. Also, uh, the length is around uh, one, 168 meters. The length, and it has got a size, please, of 18,000 seats in the church. Yeah, 18,000 seats. And among those ones, we have around uh, 7,000 uh, standing place where people can stand. So uh, we are proud of this building because uh, uh, having this big building in Africa as the biggest one in the world, yeah, it makes us proud, it makes us proud. So this one of the uh, tourism attraction because people have been traveling way, way to come and see this basilica, how it's, it looks like, how big it is and how people celebrate, uh, you know, their mass into there. Again, we have uh, Asini. Asini is located at around 94 kilometers from Abidjan, 94 kilometers from Abidjan and it's a beach uh, station. Asini is a village. It's a village where almost all the richest people in the country have been building like castles, luxury areas. So it's full of beach, beach stations. So that's where people go and enjoy during weekends, during vacation. So uh, for all people who have been visiting uh, Ivory Coast, by all means, you have to move to Asini because it's a very nice place. You won't regret when you are there. We have also Man. Man is a village where you have so many big mountains, so very big mountains where people can visit. You can go for a walk, like for a hunting uh, uh, spare place. Yeah, if you have like ideal place, you can go there for hunting, to chase like monkeys, so many animals. We have some restriction. Yeah, we have some kind of animals that we can hunt and not. So when you read there, you can have all the details about those things. And I think you'll be guided by a tourism guide who can take you around. Uh, in the north, we have uh, those monks who are old more than 300 years, 500 years. Those monks are still there. Yeah, they, are, they were kept by those. It's a tradition for us. So those monks have been kept for all those years. So people have been visiting. And even we have the most called uh, of this man called Samori Ture. Samori Ture was from Guinea. He was a very big, big, big fighter who appeared in Cote d'Ivoire. And when he, he came to Cote d'Ivoire, I think he built his own mosque in the northern part of the country. And up to now, this mosque is there, so people have been moving around to go and visit. And we have so many cultural dances. So there are some kind of masks who have been dancing. I think when you go on Google, you type masks of fabricos, you see so many of them. It's every year during like generation feast, they have been appearing every year. Those masks are kept in the bush, they don't come outside until those period comes. So when the period comes, they just come outside and celebrate with the population. After that, they go back to the bush. So those people dancing into the mass before coming, 
prepare them for like three months. For three months, they'll be in the bush. They don't come out outside. So they don't have, they don't have to be into contact with like, like modern things. So they, they are kept in the bush. Then after three months, they are ready to come outside and perform all ritual that you can imagine, like uh, uh, black magic of African. You can imagine everything that you can do. So these are some of the tourism attraction here. Oh man, I want to jump on a plane. I want to jump on a plane and go. <laughs> of course, you have to. You have to. <laughs> yes, that is a plan. That's a plan. Uh, yeah. Not today, not tomorrow, but soon. Yeah. <laughs> Our plan is to come yeah. down to Africa and explore every country, all 54 countries. And of course, Ivory Coast is on the list too. Yeah. I get to practice my French. <laughs> my French <laughs> is definitely a work in progress. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you know about the food? One of the reasons we love to travel is to just try out the food, uh, the cuisine, the gastronomy. So uh, uh, tell us about what are the main food items, the food dishes in Ivory Coast? Okay, this is a very nice question. As I've told you, we have 60 local dialects spoken here in Ivory Coast. So you can imagine every tribe has got its own food. You see, every tribe has got its own favorite food. But the main one, the number one here is called Garba. Garba is made up of cassava. It's made up of cassava. Then we fry chicken. Uh, sorry, we fry the fish on it. So those fish eaten with the garba is tuna fish. Tuna fish with direct pepper, the fresh one, little onion. So this is the basic, the favorite of every Ivorian citizen. Outside that one, we have what we call aloko. Aloko is a kind of uh, plantain that we cut into pieces. We fry them just make some kind of pepper to eat with. So these are the two one, mostly eat, uh, eat in Avricos here. So when you come to Avricos, you see garba everywhere. Garba can be got in the morning. Then in the night, the favorite one is grilled chicken. Hello. Okay. Look, looks like we had a little bit of a bad connection, but uh, Justin, yeah, 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 yeah. Justin's back. Justin's back. Remember this. Okay. I'm here in Asia and our guest is over there in Africa, but somehow through the power of technology, we're able to connect with each other. So um, you were talking about the food and you got cut off. So do you want to continue talking yeah. about food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was talking about uh, Garba, which is the main one. We have also Aloko. Aloko, uh, sorry, Gaba, I told you Gaba is uh, made up of uh, pound, pounded uh, cassava. And Aloko is plantain. Plantain, the ripe, the ripe one, we just cut them into pieces and fry them with chicken. So we can eat that one with egg or fish. Again, in the night, uh, at every corner of the country, 
you can see what we call poisson braisé. Poisson braisé is uh, grilled tilapia. Grilled tilapia, again eaten with atike, which is the pound, uh, pounded uh, cassava. So those food are the basic one that we can find in the country. These are the favorite of the population. So at every corner of the place, you can meet those one. I am looking forward to trying those food out uh, when I arrive there. Uh, so one of the things we want to talk to you and our guests about is their passions and, you know, how they've developed a passion and a purpose in their business. So you actually have something quite unique, which is an NGO, a non-governmental yeah. organization. So tell us about that. How did, you, uh, how did you have the idea? Why did you decide to create it? And tell us about this uh, process to creating your own NGO. Uh, Justin. Okay. Uh, for the NGO, uh, before I used to work with the UN, United Nations organization here in the country, because during the crisis, I think we had uh, UN who came here for the crisis and had the opportunity to work for, with them for 10 years. And I was with the public information uh, office and through that uh, office, I could see so many NGOs who were like a uh, asking for support from the UN and how they were acting on the land and have the opportunity to move with them on the land to see how they perform, how they support people on the land. And I saw so many things. I saw so many things then. Personally, I have one of the most important that pushed me to, to create my NGO. These are the kids in the street, the kids, especially the young ladies. You see the young ladies in nightclubs, in like dancing hall, in bars and those young ladies, the question is, do they have any parents? If they have the, any parent, how do the parents see about them for allowing them to go outside like 1 p.m., uh, uh, 1 a.m. in the morning? You see them at like uh, 10, 10 p.m. in the night, okay? So the question was that, where are the parents? Where are their relatives? How do they, they, how do, they do from them? So these are some of the questions that I was asking my siblings after some kind of investigation. I saw that there are many reasons reason that were pushing those people, those young people outside. So for me, creating a, an NGO was a means to help those people by a means or another, another one. See how to help them, uh, even how to help the parent. Because I think if the parent has everything that... Uh, can be done to help the children. I'm sure you won't leave this child going outside. So these are some of the reasons why I decided to create the NGO and seeing those young ladies, those young girls being pregnant, just moving around the street without anyone helping them is very sad. It's very sad. It's true, I cannot do everything. I cannot do much for them, but I think a little push, a little support is never bad. Never bad, yeah. It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing what you've done. You create this amazing organization and you're helping, uh, you know, um, girls who are really in uh, uh, a problem and usually it has to do with finances, right? They're needing the money. Yeah. So tell us yeah. a little bit about like the origin of the problem. What are the main factors? Like you mentioned parenting, money, uh, maybe peer pressure. Tell us about what is the problem and uh, tell us about the solution. Problem first, then solution. Okay, the problem, you know, some of the causes are poverty. Poverty, we have some parents who even don't get like uh, the minimum for them to, to take care of themselves. So adding to 
this situation, the kids, it becomes very difficult for them like to afford those things. So uh, at a certain age, you'll be seeing those uh, kids who have been having like bad friends outside doing things on their own. And the parent so far that is not able to take care of the kids, it happens sometimes where he's not having that, uh, that uh, I think uh, that force or that uh, motivation to guide the, the children, to tell him what to do, because the children will tell, the, the child will tell him, what are you doing for me? So let me live on my own. Let me get like what I can get to eat on my own. So far as you are not doing anything for me, so let me do whatever I want. So those, guys, those children, what do they do? I'm basing my NGO on especially the, the, the girls, the young girls. For them, getting money is very easy because they can jail, just, excuse me, they can just sell the, the sex. They just go to nightclubs, like they'll be prostituting themselves, like going outside with anyone they meet to get at least something to eat. And sometimes even the money that they'll be getting, they'll be sending some to the parents. But the question is, you, the parent, what can a lady or a girl of eight years, 10 years, do as a job to bring you money? Don't you ask her, where is the money from? She won't ask, because what the parent needs is the money to help even he himself. So they don't even want to know where the money is coming from, but I'm sure they know, they know. And it's very amazing for me to see, even for the government to see that in the nightclubs here, you can see so many young ladies roaming all over, even young boys, and there's no one to talk to them. There's no one like to sensitize them or to, to, to talk to those people. Even the owners of the clubs, when they see those like eight years, 12 years, 13 years, boy or girl entering the clubs, why don't they talk to them? So these are some of the costs. We have another one, which is the text message, the SMS. You know, it's very easier using the phone, sending a text message to a young boy or a young lady, tell him or her that, okay, I love you, I want to have like fun with you, I want to have sex with you. If you do, I will give you this, I will give you this. So it's very, very easy for them. So one of my plan is to try to know if like you can put a stop at a certain age. Like for example, when you go to register for a phone or for a SIM card, according to the age, you have to limit the access of the like SMS from like, uh, I don't know, be, be below, below, let's say 15 years or 18 years of, let's say 15 years, for me, it's not normal to have SMS. Those girls or boys, when they go to class, classroom, to school, instead of them of studying, they are not focused on how the teacher is saying, but under the desk, still testing. Still testing. So according to those messages, so many things are done. They want to do whatever they want. Some of the costs are uh, what we call here the match review. Match review is like showing themselves. If you watch, so awesome. You see, they just envy themselves, so they want to have some. So for us, he's young, he's not working. So what can he do to get that thing? Either you go and rob, either you go and prostitute himself to have those things. So there are so many, so many reasons that are pushing those young ladies and uh, how do you call it, boys to do settings. So there is it.
Yeah, thank you for sharing, Justin. I mean, it's a serious problem around the world. And yeah. uh, the, at the end of the day, like we have to act locally. Uh, so that's what you've done. You've acted locally, created this NGO. So we want to come alongside, you know, our viewers, our listeners from around the world. We want to support and create awareness and uh, raise funds and maybe volunteer there. So what are the ways, what are the different ways that we uh, who are living in different parts of the world can help you guys, help you guys out there over there at Ivory Coast? Okay, how to help? Uh, the first point is to create a link. For me, is to create a link in between companies on the ground here and the NGO. Let me explain to you. The thing is that when you go for a prostitute, for example, in the streets, when you talk to her and she says, okay, from today going, I'm no more doing it. Where are you kicking her to? That's one of the biggest questions. You see, I cannot like accommodate everyone. So the first, my first point is to get link with companies. Okay, the first step is to go and talk to the company. Uh, let me take, for example, uh, the company where I stay, for example, it's called Yopugon. So the companies in Yopugon, I'll go to one of the companies and say, okay, I'm an NGO working with those children in the streets. So when I talk to them, I have to like train them and again, insert them in a business. You, for example, you are a, a baker. So when I train them, I train, for example, the lady or the girl for baking after that one, and I bring her in a company for you, like to engage her, for her to get at least something to cater for itself. So if that plan is okay with the companies, we have to train again those ladies or those children in the street. So one of the uh, one of the needs is to create a vocational school. A vocational school where we are going to train them for every vocational, uh, every vocation, sorry, like uh, trading, uh, sewing, carpentry, masoning, those kind of things. So when, once they are trained there, I think it will be very easier for me to negotiate with the companies to insert them. Because the thing is that me as uh, an employer, when you send someone to me like, please, employer, I need you to get uh, a job for this guy. What does he do if he doesn't know, he doesn't have any like background as a vocation? So how am I going to employ him? So the thing is to first train them. Then the second step is to insert them. So this is one of the plan. The second one is to get some kind of like uh, financial support. We're not going to give them the money straight away. The thing is like some of them hopefully have like some kind of project. So which is your project? I've, we did it before, the NGO did it before, like so many parents, we've afforded them, we've got them some loan and they've started making some kind of trading, like selling, and with those money, they're able to support their children, their kids. You can see, for example, a, a child of like five years, six years, selling water in the street, just because they want to have a little to eat in the night. But if the mom, is doing some kind of trading. I think this boy is no more going to, to the street. One thing is to school them. It's true that everybody has not got like the uh, power to, 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 to school their children, but you can create some kind of like uh, free education. I'm not talking about the government, but for we ourselves, we have like uh, volunteers who are ready to support those children. But I think we have to get the class, we have to get the school the place or the area, the location, if you want, for them to train, to train those children. So one thing is to train them uh, in vocational school. 
Another one will be like education because some of them will be going to school. Then after a while, they'll stop the education because no money to continue uh, the education. Uh, other thing is to get like some kind of mentors. Those mentors will be supporting the children, talking to them as parents. So the mentors, I think it's a very difficult subject because we don't want a mentor who will be turning into someone who will be like abusing the child. So that will be very, very dangerous because the injury is going to pay for that one because I'm putting them into link with the mentors. So if tomorrow the mentor is turning into like someone who is abusing of the child, then it will be the responsibility of the NGO. So again, the mentors, you have to like question them, see why they want to like mentor the, the children, uh, what experience have they got into that? Do they have children? How do they educate their children? What is the background of their children? So I think it's according to that experience, like you can trust those mentors and put them into link with them. So the mentors, uh, at least, yeah, they can support uh, financially the children that they'll be having. So these are the basic one that I'm trying to set up, like to create a vocational school. And why not having like uh, a center where we can keep those children. So the most, the most, uh, those who've been the needed, those who've been the serious needs will be kept in a center where we can follow them, like giving them at least how to eat daily, some kind of education. Then if an opportunity is open elsewhere, we can take them for the vocational school for them to be trained. But I think we have so many uh, emergency uh, situation. So many emergency situations whereby those students don't have anywhere to go. They don't have any situation, so they have to sleep in the streets or sleep in clubs because the clubs, they can stay till like 5 a.m., 6 p.m. So after that time, those child will sleep in the nightclubs or just in the street until they get again night for them to go around. Very sad and there's a lot of problems, but you are providing solutions, you're giving them hope and education, training, uh, community support and love. Uh, so good job, my friend. Uh, wanted to ask you how people can connect with you. Uh, we've talked about Ivory Coast and tourism and travel and food and of course the NGO. How can people connect um, you know, through your social media, website, email and more? Yeah, uh, for my email, uh, you can type H-E, that is my last name, all in uh, small letters. And you add a GB for Justin Bryce. Yes, at gmail.com. And what so about to be, Facebook? Facebook. My Facebook is my name appearing there. So you just have the name. You see my, my profile. Just send me a... Uh, demand then I will accept them see what to do. You can also contact me through my phone number. So that will be 225 
Perfect. Well, thank you. You yeah. know, uh, you've yeah. uh, been very inspiring. I was, uh, I am super excited about visiting you. I know a lot of our listeners and viewers, they might not have considered Ivory Coast as the top tourist attraction or destination, but after listening yeah. to this interview, I'm sure there are going to be a lot more people who are going to be going and visiting you, checking out your NGO and meeting you in person over there in Ivory Coast. So I wanted to uh, conclude by saying a big thank you, a big merci beaucoup. <laughs> okay, thank you, merci beaucoup. Thank you for calling. And I hope we'll be having so many interviews. Yes, yes. So thank you everyone for tuning into this episode. Definitely a very inspiring, enlightening, educational one. Once again, make sure you connect with Justin. I'll have his links below. If you're watching on YouTube, they'll be right in the YouTube description. If you're listening on iTunes or one of the podcast directories, they'll be right in the show notes. So thank you everyone. And we'll catch up with you guys in the next episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, where we teach you how to make money, how do we make a difference while seeing the world?